It's interesting. I find it interesting that Jesus mentions reward. I think it's five times in six verses he mentions rewards. So he says, uh, don't be like those, that the hypocrites in synagogues that pray so that they can be seen by people. They have their reward in full. And he says that when you give to the poor, uh, give it in a way. Now, this was not giving tithes and offerings like we do here, but it's, it's giving to someone so you don't embarrass them or humiliate them. When you give to the poor, do it in a way in which the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. And then your father who sees what you've done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, pray and the father who sees what you've done in secret will reward you. Evidently, for Jesus, uh, rewards uh, uh, were important. And we've been doing a series on um, on the book of Revelation. You may well ask, what has this scripture got to do with the book of Revelation? You may, you may well ask that. Someone put out, you want to ask that? All right, we'll wrap it up. So, that's a very good question. Uh, and what I was praying about this year and uh, praying about uh, you know, what we would preach on, and this expression came to me, and I'm not big on these things, but the expression came to me, said that this year for us, for me, for us as a church, is going to be a year of great reward. And I was praying more about that, and I said, well, what's great reward? And I thought, well, a great reward, then I thought the Lord told me, and we'll see from Scripture, that a great reward is a double reward. That's a reward that we get now here on earth, and a reward which is kept up for us in heaven. And so I believe this year where we're going as a church and we're going as a church family will be a year of great reward. But Jesus mentions rewards and he mentions there are many other places to reward. So some, 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 uh, some Christians uh, believe that we should do something for nothing and, and that's right, but usually they're good for nothing. And uh, we actually, uh, God has planned for us to receive rewards. And I'll explain that a little bit more because this is actually not a matter of works. We don't earn these rewards, all right? We, we walk in God, and we'll look at that in, in a little while. But Revelation talks about this, and if you can turn to Revelations, chapter to Revelation. Revelation, not Revelations. If you can turn to Revelation chapter 22. in the uh, culminating chapter of the Bible. And in verse 12, Jesus says this. He says, Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay to each person according to his work. Now, uh, we're going to... Again, I will say that is not, you don't earn those rewards, and I'll show you that from Scripture a little, uh, in a little while. But my point is, is that the rewards that we have uh, from living our life here in grace and in the will of God, doing what He wants for us to do, are a big, important part of the Bible. Now, there's a lot of imagery, we talked about that over a few weeks, a lot of imagery which can be confusing. Uh, in the uh, in Revelation, and remember, you may remember, uh, I, I mentioned to you uh, to try and understand the imagery. There's four types of imagery of symbolism in the Book of Revelation. There's that which is so obvious that you, it's very hard to miss. 
So obviously if the dragon's coming or thrown into a lake of fire, it's pretty clear that that would be the devil thrown into hell. Right? That's pretty clear. And, and secondly, there's the type of symbolism which is explained actually by in the book. And uh, always when you're trying to, uh, when, you're, when you're getting meaning from the scripture, look at, at the, the passages around it and look how it deals with those images. So many images, like the lampstand, the stars in the, in the first few chapters, we know that the lampstand stands, each lamp stands for a church, the church, because you know how we know that? Because it says it. Alright, so we don't need to worry about that. And then fourth is the type of imagery which you really, uh, you need to dig a bit deeper, but you will find those, and if you've got a good study Bible, it will give you cross-references to Daniel and Ezekiel, and that will give you a good understanding of what they are. This, sorry, the third type. And the fourth type is one which we, we don't really know. And it's my conviction is that at this stage we don't really need to know that. But we will know when it comes. Do you follow me? Uh, so you, you know some things. You, 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 uh, uh, and this is what happened, of course, with a lot of Old Testament prophecy. Uh, it was as though they were blinded. But when it happened, they went, Ah, you know, wasabi. Did the wasabi remember wasabi moments? Yeah. Does anyone remember wasabi? No. Thank you very much. You know, it's like the revelation hit you. Oh, I got it. You know, so they saw Jesus, they saw the manger and, and Isaiah 53, and I went, oh, it all makes sense now. So there'll be some of those when the, when the man of iniquity is revealed, and even what that number 666 means, whether that's his street address or it's his MasterCard number, who knows, but we will know in time for all right? And just so you know that COVID or the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. All right? It's not that because you will have to reject Christ to take the mark of the beast. All right? Nothing to be feared. It is interesting looking at the world going on around us. Over and over again, uh, God's main message is peace. The, the world being told that you're in peace. And when you read through the book of Revelation and you see all that's got to happen, we are not to be surprised when we see chaos in the world around us, but we are to have peace. We are to have joy. Alright? So, a lot of this imagery where it says he's coming with his reward in his hand, and another one of the images they had in Christ is that he's riding on a white horse and he's coming with crowns. That, for them, would have been perfectly obvious what that meant. Because the emperors or the generals would go away uh, and wage war and win foreign territories and they'd come back to their home city and when they're coming back they would they would ride on their white horse all right and and that and the crowns represent authority and what they would do and what the roman emperors would do they would give to their their soldiers and they would give to their generals and they'd give to their chief wives they'd give them an area of property for them to have authority over so that they can uh romanize the, the whole of the world so they give them an area of responsibility. So when the Bible talks about Jesus coming back with crowns for us, um, it may or may not be a literal crown. 
Alright? Uh, what it does mean is that he has a mission and a purpose for each of us when we come back. This idea that the Bible does say when we don't when we die we go to be with the Lord and shall live forever be with him. But that, that we uh, heaven when we die, those who have gone before us are with the Lord. But heaven is not our ultimate destiny. The kingdom of heaven in the new earth, the new heaven, is our ultimate destiny. Where Christ will reign and we will reign with him. So these rewards that he talks about, they were very clear to them. So when he talks about rewards, it's going to be responsibilities, uh, ministries, uh, 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 sharing the gospel, ministering to people. And the ministry will go on in the millennium. All right? That's not what I was going to say by way of introduction. That's free, by the way. You have to pay for that. Okay? So he talks to here. He's, he, said, he said, I'm coming uh, soon. My reward is with me. The other thing about the word reward that he uses, it, it's also the same word is inheritance. All right? Or portion. Or lot. So when a property was divided up, or a father's family, uh, the... Uh, the farmland was divided up. The first son would get the majority of it, but they would be given an allotment which they're to to uh, to rule over. So Jesus is coming back with an allotment, an inheritance for us. All right. Um, understand this: that when the Bible says, so very often the Bible talks about uh, it's talking to Christians about living all sorts of sin. And it says there'll be no, there's no inheritance in the kingdom of God for that. So what that means is here on earth, if you're living that way, you will not be walking in the blessings God has for you, and there won't be an inheritance. It doesn't mean you necessarily lost your salvation, but it just means you won't inherit what was rightfully yours in the kingdom of God. Can we understand that? Okay. So, but what we're talking about here is is uh, we're talking about a double blessing. All right. What's God's will for us here on earth and the great reward that he has for us? Okay. Turn with me, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 4. No, actually, before we go there, uh, we've done Matthew 6. We've done Revelations 22. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We want to touch on a few scriptures. You brought your Bibles with you. Praise God. Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Uh, we'll, we'll skip back. Let's go back um, to verse 6. So we are always confident and know that while we're at home with the Lord in the body, we are away, while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. In fact, we are confident and we would prefer to be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Paul said, uh, I said uh, it's a good thing for me to remain. It's a, it's, it's a better thing to die. It's a better for, uh, for me if I went to be with the Lord. But for your sake, I need to be here. All right? So it said if we're at home in the body... When we leave the body, we'll be at home with the Lord. And the Thessalonians says that we will forever then be with Him. Exactly what we're going to, our, you know, our ministry and uh, 
as Christians, the authority that we're going to walk in and live in, uh, we, we just have a glimpse of it now. In Hebrews, it talks about those who have tasted of the powers of the kingdoms to come. So what we're seeing now, uh, when, when the Holy Spirit is manifesting in our midst and when there's powers of healing and working in miracles, these are just tastes of the powers that we will be working in every day, all the time, in the kingdom to come. Isn't that wonderful? I think it's wonderful. Feel free to get excited. And if you're excited, tell you about it. Hallelujah. Uh, so we, we, these are tastes of things to come. But then he says, Therefore, uh, whether at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be repaid for what is done in the body, whether good or evil. All right, so understand this. We looked at this scripture, I think, last week or the week before. It talked about uh, what we do, which is not in faith or not in grace, which is our own flesh, will be burned up. And the Bible talks about Christians getting into the new kingdom just uh, smelling a smoke. You know, some of us will go in like we've been through a bushfire. And, and that actually is a mercy. You know, judgment is a mercy. The word judgment sounds so harsh, but we, we judge all the time uh, in love and in grace. Judgment is the mercy. And for our sins to be judged as in, like, you're not taking that hatred, you're not taking that hurt, you're not taking that vile, that's going to be burned up as we go into the new kingdom. And I thank God for that. Don't you thank God for that? Hallelujah. That's a mercy. Uh, some time ago, many years ago, I was staying with some missionaries in Nigeria, English missionaries. We were staying at the campus of Archbishop Benson and Dehosa. I don't know if you've heard of Benson and Dehosa. Uh, and while we were there, Reinhard Wolke visited for a week, they ran a crusade. But these English missionaries, there were American missionaries there and English missionaries. American missionaries tend to be a lot better paid than English missionaries. So the American missionaries would buy foreign rice, but the English missionaries would buy local rice. So I was staying with the English missionaries. And before we had a rice meal, they had the local bag of rice and they'd scoop it out and they said, we're going to do rice, we're going to just fix the rice first. I didn't know what that meant. So they got a bowl of rice and they scooped it onto the table. And they said, okay, rocks go over there, <laughs> rice goes there. So before the meal, we spent about 15, 20 minutes just taking the rocks away because the local rice had been uh, sifted on the ground and all sorts of pebbles with it. Well, there's going to be a sifting and a judgment uh, uh, between sheep and goats uh, or tares and wheat, but also in our own life, the things which really we had the opportunity to share and not walk in, but we didn't walk in those ways. And so, praise God, that's going to be dealt with and we'll, we'll move into the fullness of the new creation in heaven. Who is faithful? I'm thankful for that. So you will not have to put up with my bad temper, my caps, and my bad jokes. They'll all be burned up. All right? Praise God. So then we'll also flip over to... Um, go to 1 Corinthians 3, because I've touched on this, and we touched on it last week, and then we'll get on... This is all by way of introduction. And uh, we, we mentioned this last week, 1 Corinthians 3, and the background to this is, is Paul saying to the Corinthians, I couldn't treat you as mature men, uh, and you treat you as, as babes. Another, another part 
and said you acted as mere men. Ladies, do you remember that, that cartoon series that used to be in the newspapers, Mere Men? Anyone remember that? Oh, okay. So anyone remember it? Thank you very much. You've got a witness. Uh, that's where it comes from. It talks about mere men. You've acted like mere men. All right? We all know the ladies are more spiritual than men. We know that, don't we? The men, as you know, are more confident about their looks. All right? So we see ourselves in the mirror and our stomach hanging out like that and, and we go, I've still got it, baby. I've still got it. You know? All right? But... Uh, uh, but and they, these people were acting as mere men and, and the acting as mere men they were saying I follow so and so and I follow someone else so one was saying I follow Apollos and one was saying I follow Paul and the reason that was carnal because they weren't recognising that any good thing that came from them every good thing comes from God and anything of, of worth that came from Apollos or Paul was from God Alright, and so, and so the Apostle Paul says, uh, you're carnal if you say, I follow this person. You know, I follow uh, Brother Hagen, or I follow uh, um, Jimmy Swaggart. I've got some old names there coming up. <laughs> so, I follow Brian Houston. Or, you know, that's carnal. Alright, because any good work that happens in our life is from God. And then he goes on to say this. He says... Um, for we are all God, verse 9, we are God's co-workers, we are God's good, we are God's building. He says, according to the grace given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder. Another one comes and builds on it. So, he's talking here and then he goes down to verse 13 and 14 and 15 and he talks about any works that we've done that are not of grace, they are what will be burned up. Right, so he's saying there that what he did that was within the call of God on his life, that he did in God's strength, not in his own flesh. You know, sometimes we try to help God. Who, who, who's ever tried to help God with something? You know, we think, I know this person needs to know this, so I'm going to go and tell them. All right? And I'm going to tell them good, because they need to know that. I'm, I'm talking in love, you understand? All right? We try and help God. Well, that's probably very fleshly. God doesn't really need our help. All right? Uh, and so those sorts of works, they're works that are not done by grace and not grown up. But when we trust in God and we're listening to God and we're being obedient to God and, and He can work through us, those are the works that we will reap and reward. Now, that is a beautiful idea of judgment and that we will only take into heaven that which is of God in our life. Hallelujah. I say that again. We will only take into the new heaven, heaven and the new earth that which is of God in our life. We will still be growing. You understand, right? We can still grow in heaven. All right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I know it's hard to believe, but I'm 42 now, and I've been saved for 44 years. All right. And and to think that I knew everything there was to know then that we will have a boring eternity. So we will be learning, we will be growing, we will be discipling others, we will be doing the work of the kingdom. Alright? In his strength. Hallelujah. That's something to look forward to. In grace. Alright. So, but we have now this idea that what happens now, so turn with me please to 2 Timothy, um, sorry, 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1, sorry, say that again, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8. 
we will start from um, we'll start from verse six. Everyone got it? What page is that, Joe? Joe, you got a page number on that? One three three four. Okay, that's your page number if you can't find it. All right. So verse six. He says, uh, and he's teaching Timothy to be a pastor, right? He says, if you point out these things to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of faith and and the good teaching that you have followed. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. Apparently, in the church, first first, uh, century church, in the New Testament church, there were silly myths going around. Now, aren't you so glad that we're such a more mature church now? And that there would not be... Uh, apparently, there were silly uh, myths. Another time, Paul warns him, he says, be, be warned about people who think they're getting visions and words from God all the time. He warns them about, about it. He said, because their egos are just inflated. Now, that we respect prophecy and all that, but apparently there were people going around with silly myths and speaking all sorts of things, trying to control and manipulate people with prophetic words. Now, that, you know, we praise God that, I'm being sarcastic now, that doesn't happen. It happens now. We're still people. And he says, to be warned with that. He says, but train yourself in godliness. And then he says, verse 8, for the training of the body has limited benefit. Well, you don't need to look too far to agree with that. Training the body has limited benefit. It's of little benefit or little profit. But godliness is beneficial in every way. Now, some translations say that godliness is profitable in every way. Has anyone got that? I think that's King James. Godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also life for the for the uh, 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 promise for the life to come all right so now we're getting into this idea that there's there's ways that we can walk in God and live our Christian life which are profitable they hold promise for this life okay and they have promise for the life to come this year for me and I'm believing for you, we're going to live in that double reward. I'm fed up with doing the things I know God's called me to do and, and yet not living in the promises he's had for us. Has anyone walked like that? And you think, well, where are you, God? His promises are for here and now. David said, I would have fainted had I known that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I believe that with this year, we can live a life of abundance, of provision, of joy, of peace, promise for this life and for the life to come. And we're going to talk just briefly about a few ways of doing that. But this is the great reward. This is the double reward which we can live in this life. We can manifest the kingdom of God here on earth and build for eternity. That's good news. Now we have this, I asked the guys, I asked Paul to bring this up here. This is our, this is our discipleship uh, process. Uh, we normally say we grow in faith, we're encouraged in fellowship, we find purpose in serving others, and then we have a culminating step, a statement over here. You matter to God, you matter to others, and what you do today matters for eternity. 
Say this with me after you. I matter to God. I matter to others. And what I do today matters for eternity. If Jesus said there are rewards when you walk in his kingdom, there are rewards here and there are rewards to come. And if you taught, in, uh, if, if the Holy Spirit through Paul teaches this, he says body discipline is only for a little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things. It holds promise for this life and also for the life to come. Now, godliness in this verse is not being good. Godliness in this verse is honoring or revering the things of God. Right? You're godly if you give God the glory. You're godly if the things of God have weight in your life. They're important in your life. All right? So when Jesus says in, in, in Matthew 6, he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He says, look at what the Gentiles seek after. God, God still has good things for you. All right? This idea that you pay for now and that you reap in eternity is not a new creation idea. Jesus paid for it now. We can walk in his provision and abundance now. All right? And we can reap for eternity. Now, there are times of persecution. There are times of, of uh, where we are learning to grow in it. But even in those times of persecution, we can have abundant provision. I remember uh, Archbishop, T uh, T Archbishop, uh, Archbishop Idahosa, he's an uh, African-Nigerian Archbishop who died about 1999. He's telling me the story. Has anyone heard of T.L. Osborne? Telling me the story of T.L. Osborne disciple, and T.L. Osborne really was the Billy Graham to the third world. Probably more people saved under the ministry of T.L. Osborne than, than, uh, than anyone else, including Billy Graham. But he, he, um, he took Benson Idahosa uh, aside and he said to him, I'm going to give you enough money to build a church. And, and Idahosa said, I was so looking forward. I'm thinking there's going to be 30000 40000 50000 It's going to be, you know. And, and Atiyah Osman took out his wallet and he gave him $50. He said, that's enough money. If you can't work with that, you, then, then you, you won't work with the kingdom of God. You won't know how the kingdom of God works. Because the kingdom of God is really not about amounts. It's about what we do with it. It's about what we do with it that counts. Now, it says here, bodily discipline is a little profit. Okay, and yet those of us that go to the gym, I haven't been allowed to go to the gym for a few weeks and it's showing. Normally those of you who are guests, normally I'm about this big and cut. Isn't that right, Joe? Joe, you said gym's good. But, you know, it, it falls away in a couple of weeks. So it's a little profit and it fades. You don't go for a few weeks and all of a sudden it fades. Who can testify? Do I hear an amen? That's so true. It's a little profit, but godliness is profitable in all things. Now, think about this word profit. It means beneficial. It means it actually reaps what you've set to do. But more than that, with, with the kingdom of God profit, profitability, you actually, it actually reaps more than what it sows. So as we walk in the kingdom of God, as you walk in and we're obedient, all right, we get back more than what we put into it. What we do in the kingdom of God is a seed. It's not a profit. You know, it's not a profit if you work for 40 hours and save up all your money and buy a house. That's not profit. You've worked for that. Understand it? All right? And that's the bodily exercise thing. That's fine. But when we unite with God and His plans and His purposes for our life, they are 
profitable, they will bring us more than what we could earn naturally. So as we turn over to the kingdom of God, our tithes and offerings, we reap a profit. As we spend time in prayer, we reap a profit. More than what we are able to do. I was, uh, while we were away, it was a little bit hard to get time alone with the Lord because Elise was staying in Elise's little studio apartment. So Elise uh, slept on the sofa and Lynn and I slept on a, a, a mattress on the floor. And they sleep in. I like to get up and have my quiet times in the morning and they sleep in. So fortunately, there was a um, Starbucks two blocks down the road. So I get up uh, in time for it to open at 5.30. I go and read my Bible. And uh, I, I'd uh, do uh, my own personal prayer time devotions in Starbucks. It's pretty cool. In Tulsa, by the way, there'd be four or five other people there doing the same thing. <laughs> Tulsa was just like that. One place I worked at when I was in Tulsa was a carpet, a carpet uh, sales yard. Every single person there was saved and all of them were spirit-filled, except for the uh, boss who was saved but not spirit-filled. You know, you go into Woolworths or, or you know, you go into, what is it, Target and that, and, the, and there's, you know, Christian tracks on the way out. So I was there having my quiet time, but I came I came across this scripture in Colossians and it says, devote yourself to prayer. And the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, Grant, you've been devoting yourself to the Word of God and that's important and I will study out the Word. He says, you need to devote yourself to prayer. All right? And in many ways, prayer is godliness because prayer is saying, I'm going to value the time that I have with you. Now, the Bible says, train yourself in godliness. Which means the place that we start when we value God and we value the things of God, we value the Word of God, we value fellowship, we value service, all the things that God values, if we value them, that is godliness, that is being like God. You don't earn it, but that's saying what's important to God is important to me. God says in Samuel, those who honour me, I will honour them. And it's probably better translated, for those who honour me, I am able to honour them. If you think about it, there would be a very rude God who went around interrupting people's lives when they, didn't, when, when they really didn't want to have anything to do with him. Alright? So, as we train in godliness, it's profitable in this life. Who's thankful for God's life in their relationships. I'm thankful for God's life in my marriage because I tell you, uh, it would be ugly if it wasn't there. Not so much from this point of view, but from my point of view. As in, no, I'm the ugly one. (laughs) And uh, those of you that know it, you know that I married up. I tell you the story about about, uh, the married girls when I was teaching in New Zealand and then we were engaged, she came to visit me, uh, I was on playground duty, she was on the other side of the fence and I came back to my classroom afterwards and all these Maori girls were lined up little Maori kids, four girls, and they were giggling and snickering. I said, what are you laughing about girls? And they said, oh, Mr. P she's too good for you. <laughs> Alright? So when, when, we, when we value the things that God values he is able to honour us and he's able to make our relationships prosper. When we value God in our finances, we invite him into our finances, all right? We reap an eternal reward, but we're 
but we reap His promises in this life to come. I am believing, guys, that this year we have a double reward. We have a great reward as we learn to walk in His promises now, but not from selfish reasons, uh, from good heart motives, so that we're investing the kingdom of God in the future. Hallelujah. I shared last uh, last year how I made some very bad investments last week. Uh, I went into a lolly business, you know, and uh, fed the rats, and that was about it. The kingdom of God, can we get that scripture back up there, fell asleep. Godliness is profitable, all right? And uh, when you, when, if I had more time, and maybe later we can do it, but basically what God asks, we talk about it, He asks for an attitude of the heart, which is to serve Him humbly and graciously. So we said, when you, when you give, when you pray, do it with the right attitude. Okay, it's not the action, it's actually, are we honoring God? When we give to someone, don't let people know that you've given to them. And God who sees you, will, you build up your reward in this life and in the life that comes. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said, and all the things that they seek for will be added, added to you. Now, most of the world doesn't even know what they want. They get rich and they're in more poverty than what they ever were. True? Happiness doesn't come from that. They seek happiness, they seek satisfaction, they seek fulfillment, and they have needs which need to be met. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. And that's double profit. I can remember when we were at Bible college, and uh, this this couple came in. I've told you the story once or twice, but a couple came in, and she, there was a mixed race couple. And uh, back then, probably in the 90s, there was still a fair bit of racism. Even some some Christian friends I had, I'd just go, whoa, some of the comments they made. I made a purpose to be gracious to, to this husband and wife, this, this lady, all right? Now, the Bible says, uh, Jesus said, be careful in your relationships, because what you sow in that relationship, you will reap back in that relationship. If you're godly in that relationship, if you value those people like God values those people, if you see God uh, those people like God sees those people, they're beautiful, they're lovely, God's not mad at them. If he's not mad at them, why should we be mad at them? God doesn't God judge their sin in Christ. If he judged their sin in Christ, why should we judge this? You know, who are we to be a better judge than him? And so I, I, I went out of my way to be a, a, to be polite and gracious to this mixed race couple. Anyway, about eight weeks, eight weeks later, we found out that Linda was pregnant. I'm not quite sure how that happened. But she was pregnant. We never planned it. She was pregnant with Elise. And, um, and we uh, was in between jobs, and having a baby in the States can be very expensive. A friend of ours said, why don't you phone up and see if this person, Oklahoma has health insurance. We phoned up. And the gentleman said to me, how much have you earned this month? Well, it so coincided that uh, between jobs that I'd started to get paid from one job and my, my sales from another job were coming in, so I had about five or $6,000 which was that month, which was way over. All right? And then he said to me, he said, is that an Australian accent? I said, yes it is. He said, did you used to work at this place called Carpet Corner? I said, yes I did. Do you remember helping this this husband and this lady of particular race. I said, yes, I did. And he signed to me on the phone. And then he said, so, how many weeks pregnant is your wife? I said, well, I think she's seven weeks. 
He said, well, what did you earn last month? We earned about $800 last month. Right? He said, I'm going to backdate it for you. Godliness, valuing, so you love people, you bless people, you show grace to people, you'll reap a return in this life of grace, of love, of, of goodness. All right? you, gently, you show them grace. And, and that saved us probably 30, 40, actually more like 50, $60,000 US. $60,000 US will buy you a house, a car, and a yacht, and you still have enough money to retire, understand. All right? The Bible says that we have to walk. Ephesians, Ephesians 2, verse 10. By grace we are saved through faith in His own. And it talks about that. Um, well, let's turn now. Because I can't remember it off the top of my head. This is out of Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 10. Can you pull that up? Are you able to do that? Ephesians 2 verse 10. Uh, we'll start verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he had for us made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses you were saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. That is the reality of where we are as far as God is concerned. Why we were yet sinners Christ died for us. When Christ rose from the dead, we rose from the dead. The better, the quicker we learn to believe in that and act on that, the more we'll get trained in godliness because that is God's view of us. Hello. God's view of us is that we are raised with Christ and seated with Christ in heavenly places. All right, so that in the coming ages he will display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. It's not from ourselves. It's God's gift, not from works and no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we will walk in them. This year, as me personally, and you personally, we're going to learn to discipline, to, to discipline ourselves unto godliness, to walk in who we are. We need to have a certain swagger about our walk. You understand? All right? There's sort of a swagger of the redeemed. All right? There's sort of a way you walk so that no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. You walk so that, you know, the Bible says, uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Uh, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget none of his benefits. You walk like you're pardoned. He pardons my iniquities. He heals my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit. He crowns my head in loving kindness and compassion. He fills my ears with good things. So my youth is renewed as an eagle. It, it takes a certain swagger to walk like that. Did anyone see, uh, anyone watches the highlight? There's a certain thank you. I see that hand. Don't you come? That's right. That's right. But there is an Australian kid who, who his dad was a, 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 a AFL kicker, and he's 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 picked a, he's joined a college team in I think it's in in Texas, and uh, he's a he's a champion kicker. But 
he's skinny as great. And they sort of mock him because his arms are that skinny. But boy, can he kick. And there was a game uh, two weeks ago, he kicked and, and they made a 53-yard gain from his kick. And, and they loved it because he's this, this skinny little runt of a kid with this big kick. And they, he did what was called the billionaire swagger. And he kicked it and they got it and he's walking like this. <laughs> All right? We need to walk in the things God has called us to do. And the Bible says, train yourself. So that means there'll, there'll be learning opportunities this year. There's going to be learning opportunities to walk in love this year. Who knows that? There's going to be times when people offend you and you're going, to, you're going to have a loving word to them and you forgive them because a loving word turns away God. And we're going to learn to walk in godliness because it brings promise for them. There's going to be times when we're tested and we're going to say, I'm not going to walk like that. I'm going to have this resurrection swagger. All right, that I am who God says I am. I wouldn't want to get to heaven and call him a liar. All right, he says, I told you you were raised with him. I told you you were seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. I'm not going to tell him he's a liar to his face. Is anyone here going to do that? Well, I suggest we walk in it now. Let's train ourselves in godliness this year and we will reap this double reward. Promise in this life. Who wants blessed relationships? Let's train ourselves in godliness. Who wants their bank balances to be blessed? Let's train ourselves in godliness. Let's give. Let's work. Let's be faithful at work. Their godliness will prosper. Who wants the call of God in their life to be be manifest? We'll do what's in front of you. We train ourselves in godliness. And we reap a double reward for this life, now, and for the one that is to come. Praise God.